0: Okay, so building people who build churches, that's what we've been talking about. We talked about, um, as I said, times like these. I said that this morning. We were doing the mini-series, Times Like These, Corrupt Men versus Complete Men. So we saw... corrupt men already a couple weeks ago i was working on that side of the outline and tonight i'm going to finish up the complete men and uh, let's read the text from verses uh, 10 and 12 and then i'll skip over the outline and then we'll get to the conclusion of the matter have some prayer which i don't think i have the pieces i don't think angela brings the pieces and she's not here so can you grab a prayer just a prayer sheet and if there's not one in the foyer, there's probably one in my office on my desk. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, and um, uh, I said 10 and 12. I think that's all the further I'm getting. So uh, it says here... Um, but thou hast fully known my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. I should have used that this morning. That would have been a good reference. Uh, I uh, What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. So, Amen, Amen. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your deliverance. We're thankful for your provision. And uh, like we said, uh, you know what you said in your Word: uh, uh, "Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall, shall suffer persecution." And or you you did allow um, Paul to fill up the sufferings of Christ, and or do you leave a little room for us even to fill those sufferings up and, and be um, blessed, Lord, with understanding, Lord uh, the the glory that's revealed when we get to heaven for uh, you know suffering for your name though very slight here on this side of heaven for us compared to you but we're thankful for the opportunities we do get to suffer well when we do get to suffer i pray that we suffer well thank you for good examples of that um and i see it with bob and i see it with others uh lord i've seen it in this church over the years people like joe sparks and and many others well kind of i could just go down a list of people who have suffered well and are still suffering well lord i was just thinking about steve Morford today and He's grieving the loss of Gala still and uh, just watching him pass the plate. So, Lord, we just just pray for those that are suffering, Lord. It's not always easy. And I pray, God, that you uh, meet them where they're at and just really encourage them. And Lord, and then there's those that are really suffering for Christ's name's sake because they they proclaim your name and identify with you. And uh, Lord, uh, we just pray for those in that situation. Uh, Lord, I think of some of the the widows that uh, I can see their faces in India right now and uh, their husbands have been taken home. Uh, Some of the women women themselves have been martyred. And uh, Lord, I just pray for their family and those that are left behind. Pray for... um, all the saints, Lord, that that's uh, emblematic of so many others that have been in that situation. And Just pray, God, that we would live godly lives and that this uh, teaching that we look at, Lord, that we would be uh, complete men and women of God uh, that represent you well. Pray for Jamie today as he's uh, down in Florida suffering. And uh, we just pray for him and uh, and just pray for all those that are out. Pray for Ron. Pray for Angela. Pray for uh, uh, Sharon DeLeon. And we just ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. Has anyone seen Sharon? She's sick. Was she here today? I didn't physically talk to her, so I don't know. If she checks her email or not? I kind of expected her to be here, or not because I know she wouldn't be here tonight, probably. So, okay. Well, Second Timothy three, verse ten. We've we've covered the the passage, and um, I've covered on the outline. Complete men consider the fruit of faithful men. Um, and I consider the fruit of a faithful father. Consider the contrast between complete, and corrupt men. We've done that. I looked at that list of uh, 18 things, like the antichrist, um, and then I looked at the fruit of the complete man in Christ, uh, and uh, with the corrupt man. In verses two and four of chapter uh, three, um, you have the the bad fruit, and then uh, and uh, then you have uh point c which i think uh, we've already covered that count on the fertilizer fruitfulness and and that brings me to that may be where we are at so that's quite a long point isn't it you don't have that in your outline so that's where we left off okay so we left off talking about in the last days. There's going to be a contrast between corrupt men and complete men. Uh, both may have churches or ministries and stand in pulpits, but the fruit of the Spirit will clearly be manifest in the life of Christ man, and the spirit of antichrist will be manifest in the life of the corrupt man. Uh, and so, no matter what is that's strange, what is said or done. Uh, to us, the reality is you cannot deny the power of a changed life. so point C is where we 're at in verse twelve. yea and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. so um, we have a, so we can count on the fertilizer of fruitfulness so we we have considered the fruit of the faithful father and contrasted the fruit of the faithful man of God against the corrupt works of the corrupt man. Now we count on the fertilizer of fruitfulness. So in uh, in modern cinema, every hero has a saying, uh, which means, "Oh, you've gone too far. Now you've done it, right?" And so for those in my era, there was Popeye the Sailor Man, and uh, he could say, he said, "I I uh, I've had all I can stand. And I can't stand no more." And so Clint Eastwood said, "Go ahead and make my day." He said, "Punk, but go ahead, punk, make my day." And Arnold Schwarzenegger said, hasta La Vista, baby." Uh, Bruce Lee just simply gestured. And uh, it said, come on, and, and uh, you can get some of this. So, whatever it is, when you get to 2 Timothy 3.12, we often read it with kind of like a whiny loathing uh, of the truth. Um, but what it says is, yea, and all, will, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer per- persecution. Paul doesn't write this to his son, the Lord, as a matter of fact, not as a... Uh, He writes it to his son as a matter of fact, I should say rather, not as a matter or a point of fear. He's just letting him know what's ahead so he can face it in faith and not fear. Paul has a perfect love that casts out fear. So fear has uh, torment, the Bible says. And this verse isn't written with torment. It's actually written with hope. Um, and so, and when you look at it in the context of the whole, it's not meant to torment Timothy. So when the devil says no, God says grow. And if you have, uh, if you haven't had opportunity to read, uh, the translated testimonies of our pastors in Arissa, I just actually reprinted those not long ago and gave those out to somebody. It's worth doing. Uh, all their testimonies of, um, you know, really most of them were persecutors and then they got saved. And uh, and then they uh, became pastors, and so we got a little book full of testimonies that we took. We interviewed them all and had them share their testimonies. I was so I was so taken by their testimonies that when we went back on like our second or third trip, I just had them sit and we ran a video camera. And then I brought it home and had someone transcribe, even though it was that they were speaking in English or being translated, it was still difficult to record it all. So I had someone actually transcribe their stories and put it in. A, and I got a little book that we. We put out many years ago, so I should get that back out and make sure it's in like the library or something. But uh, you can also—it's uh, amazing. The stories are are insane, and uh, there's this little guy right now up in Candomall where the persecution in started in 2008. And he's—I uh, always see pictures of him. He's, his name's Anil. Uh, he's gotten married and he has a church, but he—he, he, I believe he killed a pastor. So. I mean, he, this, these guys are serious, and so they're either serious for the devil or they're serious for God. And uh, and uh, anyway, he got saved and became part of the Bible Institute that we were having with Pradeep, and he's still a faithful man and got him a church up there. But uh, and a wife. But you can, um, I'm sure you, maybe all of you have read Fox's Book of Martyrs. If you haven't, you should. Um, this year in HBI, I'm going through church history, and it's required reading for church history. But we're also planning on doing during a vision vision conference, doing sketches of these uh, you know these historical figures through uh, you know time through the seven church ages. So that'll be cool. But um, there's also a thing called Voice of the Martyrs, which you guys are familiar with. They're pro- they're out of uh, uh, I think it they're out of Oklahoma, just not too far, just north of Tulsa there, and uh, I think it's Independence, Oklahoma. But they. Uh, I subscribe to their little voice of the martyrs update, and uh, not everybody that you know is on there is necessarily a Baptist or whatever, but there's just a lot of really good um, you know updates really just for praying as much as anything and then and and unfortunately there's stories um, or fortunately there's stories of folks that have been faithful and through persecution uh, even now, and of course, that was started. Richard Wormbrand, which was a, uh, he was persecuted while he was in uh, Romania, and started that. He was uh, he was a Lutheran actually. He wasn't even uh, a Baptist. But there's a lot of Baptists there. Uh, Camilla Howie, uh, Doug's wife, she was she was a young girl. They were still heavily persecuted, and the Baptists, as a matter of fact, in Romania in the in the 80s, um, uh, there was a contention because in the 90s, once Ceausescu was killed. And they opened the churches back up, and we started coming and teaching discipleship. A lot of the Baptists did not want to receive the brothers that came back who wouldn't endure the persecution. So there was a schism in the church because uh, a lot of the brothers, they considered if you were willing to get you know uh, assaulted, beaten, and get your door hand-slammed in the door jams and all the stuff that went on with the security police back before Ceausescu fell you know you were obviously in <laughs> you were a part of the body uh but the ones that fled and couldn't endure that persecution but when they came back with when they you know americans show up and start preaching the uh, the Romanian brothers were not very happy with them and didn't consider them. They thought they needed to get saved. They didn't think they were really saved. So they caused a little bit of problems with our doctrine, um, interestingly enough. So that's just something we don't experience here in the USA, you know. Um, and so... And obviously, they were. I'm sure many of them were born again. They just, I, they just didn't stand up under the persecution. So that really that gets into a proper understanding of the judgment seat of Christ uh, more than you know their salvation. Um, and so, anyway, uh, uh, in Philippians chapter one and verse four, which is in your notes, he says. And many of the brethren in the Lord are waxing confident in my bonds, uh, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now, Paul here is speaking about being in. in um, Nero's house, the boldness and resolve of Christians who have faced God's provision and persecution is supernatural and it inspires just as Paul was in the house of Caesar just as when Jeff and I in particular uh, I can remember being, him being with me in Arissa, we were just really really inspired by the suffering of the of the men and the uh, stories that we heard in in Arisa. By the way, a lot of the men who were persecutors became the persecuted once they got saved. Ironically, Uh, and so to to follow Jesus, they had to. I mean, they're going to get the same treatment they were given others. So that's quite a that's quite a leap. And so um, it's very inspiring when you see people suffering. And so uh, if the church in America really is serious about reaching people and seeing souls saved, we need to understand that persecution is not something we run from. But walk through for the sake of the precious souls that will be saved when they see God's amazing grace and love. Which is amazing to see the, the love that uh, the persecuted have for the lost. That's what's lacking in my mindset. That's what changed my mind when I went to India. Because as an American, our mindset is, you mess with me, I'm gonna. that's your last opportunity, you know, and, and you defend yourself. But they don't have the luxury of defending themselves, but they also don't have the heart to defend themselves. God gives them a different heart to endure suffering for the sake of others. They really love the lost through suffering. And uh, um, that's quite convicting. And so the devil knows the best way to inoculate a culture to the gospel is is not to bring persecution, but preoccupation. And uh, and that's when we that's what we face in the USA. So a few, it's probably been five or ten years ago. I was reading, um, you know, with the things with all the Marxism, you know, sweeping across America and everything. um, I was like, I started reading. I'd always heard about Orwell, right? So I'd never actually read George Orwell's book on 1984. So I was like, I'm going to read this book. Which, by the way. It's about the boringest book in the world it isn 't tedious, just to put it mildly in my opinion, but anyway uh, I did get i was I got through it, and I was talking with uh, uh, brian Brian Clark at the time, of course he was still in London. And he was reading a, uh, another book, and I don't, the name of it, it's, I don't recollect it, but it reminds me of Fox's Book of Martyr, or I mean, uh, Pilgrim's Progress, where you go to van- the part where he goes to Vanity Fair. So there's kind of a, a contemporary, and for, if you can know it, just shout it out, but I don't remember his name, a contemporary author, author, George Orwell, that wrote another book, and he took the same tack, but it was all about basically Vanity Fair, instead of the world being, uh, you know, um, taken over by a... Uh, a uh, fascist uh type of you know group think and all of the other stuff that goes on basically the orwellian theory that everyone talks about which is obviously happening um it he also talks there's another the antithesis of that is everybody just going on down the promenade with so much entertainment and distraction that they become slaves and so um and I, I forgot the name of the book. I wrote it down, but I never did read it. I wanted to read it. But I I, I took his point. That's why I, I connect it with Vanity Fair. Because if you read uh, Pilgrim's Progress, there's a portion in it where um, uh, John Bunyan, you know, takes uh, Christian and they go through Vanity Fair and everybody's just lost. And, uh, and they, don't, they don't go any further because they get too distracted with entertainment. And that is another way, you know. So there's either the the uh, the devil i believe one of the things he'll do instead of persecution is give you preoccupation That's, i said all that just to say that preoccupation so that you don't because he knows if we get persecuted we'll grow no doubt about it but you get preoccupied well you won't you just you won't go anywhere And I think that's his preferred method of uh, slowing the church down, at least in the USA. Instead of fighting real battles and going out to the streets with the gospel, afraid of getting our feelings hurt, uh, when we get rejected, we fold up our tents and and, uh, we just distract ourselves with entertainment. Which includes politics and everything else. Even that, everything, even things that should have consequence and be, you know, substance, have now just become fluffy marshmallow vanity. There's no seriousness to anything. It's really sad. And so, um, if you want a, a fruitful life and a complete life, we need to simply resign ourselves to suffering in this life, knowing that the reward outweighs anything. That we, that we could ever endure in these bodies. So, so we always have the victory. And so Jesus spoke that same thing. So in your notes there, it says, John 16, 1-3, These things have I spoken unto you that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you, uh, because they have not known the Father nor me." Uh, in preparing for today's sermon, I should say, I was looking up information about uh, persecution, and I, I came across actually, ironically, in the web search I was going through, which it was kind of strange. Most of the articles were Jewish, and all the how the Jews have persecuted the church, and and uh, the Orthodox really, really don't want. Uh, they want anti-conversion laws in Jerusalem. So that, last year that was a big debate, and they lost. So you can actually supposedly preach the gospel in Jerusalem and Israel, uh, though they don't want you to, to convert them. But you know what? They would kick you out of the synagogue, and uh, and uh, you know Muslims will kill you if given the chance because because of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So John Jesus was way ahead of that, and he didn't. Uh, Jesus, by the way, didn't get martyred. Because he he laid his life down, so he offered his life, uh, and long before he stepped out of the Godhead and was born of a virgin, he made the decision, but his resolve was tested as a man in the Garden of Gethsemane, but he's God, he really, he didn't have to do that, he just chose to do that, uh, he could have just said, I'm done. You know, and then you're not, and so he could have said, "You're done too, we're all done, but he chose not to because he's a loving God, so uh the decision to embrace persecution is not uh to be made tomorrow really this my point is is that the the time to embrace it is now before it comes it's not it's not tomorrow, it's today uh and praise God if you're not if there is none, but God loves uh this church and he's given us opportunity to embrace victory or run away. In defeat, You know, back in the, I don't know, about probably four, five, six, seven, eight years ago, uh, maybe nine years ago, in Houston, the, the city of Houston, they they wanted pastors, uh, when political correctness was at its apex, they wanted pastors to submit their messages to the city for hate speech. So if, like, I'm on YouTube and I'm preaching probably stuff I preach today, that'd be flagged as hate speech, and then uh, they were going to find um, to find uh, the people, which was unbelievable that they were were doing that, and of course coupling that with the IRS, but that got overturned in court real fast, so that did ended up not happening. But uh, uh, but these things, you know, even in our country, come and go. You know, and so long ago, I've I've thought about you know well if they took your, the big threat is if they take your not for profit status. You know, so well if they take it, they take it. That's really not the issue. We're going to operate regardless, and uh, we'll pay Caesar what Caesars. And, but we will not stop preaching the gospel, regardless. And um, uh, one of the reasons, why, by the way, you do want to keep that status is not about finances. It's about uh, walls of separation between the church and the state. Uh, some people don't understand that it's not about finances, although we don't want to give our finances to abortion and war and things that we don't consent to if we don't have to but primarily it's about control uh we don't the church is not to be controlled by the state, and the state is not to be controlled by the church. Uh, Our influence on the state should be winning people to Christ and making disciples, and uh, their influence on us should be letting us uh, worship freely. (laughs) So, anyway, uh, for what it's worth. But uh, this is not a time to circle the wagons, like I said this morning, and protect our families in a little tight cocoon, Um, you know, uh, and there's nothing wrong, by the way, with focusing on the family. As long as it doesn 't cause you to retire from the mission of God, so we should fortify the family right teach a little Johnny how to read his Bible and preach the gospel but don 't don 't circle up in a wagon and like the, you know the big bad Indians are out there and and you know we 're here and going into such a cocoon that we 're ineffective in this world you got you've got to be able to to go out now you do have to be wise i 'm not saying um, you know you do have to watch where your kids go to school and all that they 're getting indoctrinated today and it 's worse now than it was you know 10 years ago even so uh so but at the same time we still have to be um engaged in that uh battle I, I an example and i'll try to be short here it starts at five thirty, right okay so uh back years ago when a, the uh i was uh i was con- again i was concerned about a lot of the educational system There was a thing, uh, everybody was in an uproar about it, and it was divisive in our church because we had people in the education system people on boards of education and then we had parents up here causing you know leading the rallies against common core that's what it was common core uh... and so most of the educators were like oh you just don't understand common core most of the parents were like no you don't understand these are my children not yours and uh, this is their data not yours so on and so forth and so um, you know i was obviously sympathetic to the parents um... but i understood the position of the educators so as it ends up, my kids are in elementary school. So um, up here, and and, um, and instead of making it about uh, the the overarching issues of of of, which I did actually research it and found out uh, it's actually a UN curriculum. Is all that Common Core uh, was. It's already used UNESCO uses it all over the world, and so uh, and it is about socializing your children in Marxism. But at any rate, that notwithstanding, um, once I figured that out, my biggest concern was the U.S. Department of Education had put out videos on what they wanted to do with the technology and the testing of our children uh, in the United States, and they were very excited. About I still got the videos and stuff, I downloaded them all, and kept them, but um, um, it wasn't hidden at all. So I had enough, armed with enough real information from actually the horse's mouth uh, that going to the principal was worthless. He was scared and would not talk to me about anything. And I wasn't, what first thing you do is you don't want to confront them as though they're the enemy because they're not your enemy. As a matter of fact, they don't even, frankly, with all due respect, they didn't have a clue. The principal, at the principal level, they don't even know what's going on. So eventually I made my way to the, to the, um, Beth Mulvey, who was the, top one of the people in the top office up here and i had a meeting with her in the conference room and i sat down and had a, just a heart to heart with her and i showed her what what i got and why and why i was concerned and this is the best in my opinion the way to handle it is uh is just say hey beth this is all this curriculum that that people are worried about uh, is already in use uh, all over the world and boom here here's the facts you know i 'm not making this stuff up and um, and here 's why i 'm concerned for you and here 's why i 'm concerned for the education system and so i I actually propose that you know that they should be very careful because the matrix the metrics that they 're going to judge our children by are the same metrics they 're going to judge you by, and if they can control the children like this they 're going to control you like this, and you know it 's all it 's all outcome based. And so they're going to lower the bar, and everybody's just going to go along to get along. And that's just Marxism. That's the way it goes. And so um, she heard what I said. She actually ended up, sadly, she ended up leaving. But it wasn't long after that the superintendents of the schools got together, Harrisonville, Ray Peck, and a few others, and they um, and they petitioned Missouri for their own testing. Uh, oversight and to get missouri out of it and uh, and so i was happy to see that and and so the the point is is that there's ways to go about these things uh and then i'm talking about a social issue i didn't bring to the church that's not something you bring to church and get in the church in the middle of but as a parent as a christian parent i was concerned about like hey you know what are you doing with my child's data that was my biggest question that nobody could answer so when you do this data grab that you're taking on my kids, because my concern was uh, if they start collecting all this data on your children, uh, that's my data, not your data. Where is it? And where do I, when do I get access to it? How do I get access to it? And they couldn't give me a good answer. Nobody. I even called the state of Missouri. And where I knew it was going was ultimately they wanted to federalize that. So all of your children's data was going all the way up to the federal level which that's good because then they can put your child, their, your kids in a database and the smartest and brightest go here and the dumbest go here and then the opportunities like we've had historically where you can be as dumb as a rock until you graduate high school and all of a sudden you get a flurry of brilliance and become the best carpenter in the world or whatever and next thing you know you're you're a mogul because you own all these construction companies that basically that would be eliminated uh, through that system and uh, it's the same system they use in China uh, you know. so your, your allotment of where you go the levels you got to go through their system and their indoctrination to get to the next door, just like you know, education in general. So, um, so those things are um, they're not they're soft persecution, I think, and they're not necessarily against Christianity per se, but they're against the values that the country traditionally has held because of Christ in the culture uh, that everybody is important, that you have a right to privacy, you have an opportunity, uh, you have grace. Right. And uh, so on and so forth. And so um, so uh, there's ways to address those things and then there's ways not to. And so um, there's ways to, you know, protect your kids and there's ways to actually, you know, aggressively even if need be. uh, Go to the school board meetings and do what you got to do. But the last thing Jesus told his disciples uh, when he told them to go to the the world is Lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the world, so you got to be careful when you show up at the school board meeting and the lady sitting on the school board, your sister. <laughs> so you got to control yourself and act with decorum and that was one of the things I didn't I didn't like about that whole common core dust up that we had about a decade ago because we had, you know, we had brothers fighting brothers uh, and not all the Christians uh handled themselves so, because they were protecting their chicks, which I get it, but they didn't always handle themselves with the right decorum, right? It's one thing to I'm not saying they shouldn't go to the school board meeting. They should and they should have a loud voice. It's not having a loud voice. It's how you have a loud voice. You know, you need to bring facts and you need to be persistent and you need to be uh respectful of people and uh and and then pray and let god do his work because god does work and so and you got to be wise the serpents harmless as doves you know wise as serpents harmless as doves so those things go a long way especially if you live in a more anti-christ system and so, of course, we could go into chaos in this country as the way things are going um, because, uh, you know, it's getting crazy. So let me wrap this up. So uh, Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. So the question is not Jesus's fidelity, but ours. Will we choose to live a life filled with the spirit, knowing that we, we uh, when we go to work and school and family functions, people may be offended because we believe um, the world needs a savior? Or will we fold up our tents and use Christianity as a convenient cover for circling the wagons and hiding from our responsibility to take the gospel where it needs to go? So the world is focused on crisis after crisis. Uh, You know, uh, today there are 35,000 Muslims that are settled in the Kansas City area. I didn't mention that this morning, 35,000 Muslims. And some of them are from Somalia, some of them are from Afghanistan, and those 10 countries I listed this morning. Uh, and we have a ton of Indians too, by the way, uh, and Nepalis. So uh, so you understand, there's a lot of these peoples that are here. And uh, the Imams have the theology that calls for our conversion and our death, ultimately. Uh, even if, if uh, they don't adhere to that, that's what their theology demands from the Quran. Quran. So in God's providence, he has brought these Muslims, uh, some of which could be terrorists, to our doorstep. Uh, and so why is that? Because we need to reach our communities. And we were, <clears throat> we will recoil and grow even smaller in scope because God brings people that are socially unacceptable or we will either recoil and shrink or we will risk bearing the reproach of the Lord Jesus and the gospel and reach out in love to people whose religious system eventually calls for our capitulation and extermination. By the way, the easiest place to reach them is here right at least for now um and so you know, we have some news that we got to process. Uh, this world system is called for our capitulation or extermination. I don't know if many Christians have woken up to that yet. Uh, but that's the way it's been for 2,000 years. Nothing new. Um, socialism, communism, Catholicism have taken our lives, uh, taken the lives of more humans and more Christians than, any, than anything Islam has thought about. Though Islam is going to try to catch up. So avoiding suffering is not the issue in fact if you do nothing uh, if we withhold the love of God uh, then when when God freely gave it to us we ensure our shame and that's what we fear is the judgment seat of Christ can you imagine standing at at the great white throne judgment watching people be cast in the lake of fire that God moved into our neighborhood uh, or our city uh, that we could have bore witness to that's pretty heavy Um, and uh, if we refuse them love that's on us and so I'm going to stop here, and uh, that's where we're at. But the last thing I want to uh, verses I want to read are in your text there. Romans eight thirty five. I think I left them in there. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Nope or distress nope or persecution nope or famine nope or nakedness nope or peril nope or sword no as it is written for thy sake we are killed all the day long we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter and all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us for i am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor death nor any other creature shall separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus our lord so love is the primary thing it's the power and in 1 Corinthians 15.57, uh, you know, Huey Lewis sang about that, the power of love. He said, But thanks, thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So uh, next week we'll get together and see how complete men consider the foolishness of corrupt men and continue in the power of the scriptures as we consider how complete men complete their call. And so um, tonight, um, that's where we are. So we want to make sure that we are uh, complete, and and uh, we have the fruit of faithful men. Which this is really like amazingly congruent with what I did not plan those together with my message. Maybe it's just circulating in the back of my mind. I don't know. But uh, that's that's I'm even kind of like wow, that's pretty consistent. <laughs> so because um, you guys know I had that done weeks ago. So. All right. Well, let's. Uh, any comments before we pray? Did you find a prayer list? Okay. Amen. In grievous words stir up anger. Who was I talking to about that recently? Um, end of that, though. A soft answer. Yeah. Well. As much as life in you <laughs> yeah it is it is hard, and it's hard, obviously, when you know your children and different ones are being assaulted or whatever, well, then you know obviously you can only do so many. grace grace runs out, <laughs> so, so as much as life in you, live peacefully with all men. Uh, you know, as uh, as Teddy Roosevelt said, you know, walk softly and carry a big stick. <laughs> so, or is it talk softly? I don't remember. But yeah, you know, one of the things um, there is a certain before I turn this off, I will say um, we're not pacifists in that sense. You know, Baptists historically are not. Some are, but not most are not. Uh, that's one unique thing about us versus the Mennonites. Mennonites historically take a more pacifist view than a than a, a Baptist. Though they're both considered in the Baptist camp. Um, Menno Simmons come from the Catholic background before he got saved. Um, but there is a that's not saying you can't defend yourself. Obviously, and uh, and you just have to be wise because um, the law gives us freedom. And there's uh, I just saw something yesterday that. That there should, you know, somebody was saying the Constitution gives you freedom to defend your life. That's true to some degree, but really, it's that's based on natural law. I mean, you you have the right to to defend yourself. That's just based on the Constitution. You have that right, period. Even if the Constitution says you don't have the right, I would I would make the case you do have the right. You know, Um, if someone's coming to kill your wife, you have the right to defend your wife and your children. You know, period. Uh, the law may not agree, and you may have to suffer the consequences of whatever the law thinks. But I do think that's a that's an, that an any level right. <laughs> so, um, all of these things actually come from uh, Christians, like and uh, our way and the way we ended up arriving at the conclusions. Obviously through the British system, but but also really in large part through uh, Jonathan Edwards of all people, who died in his fifties, but had a vo- he had a whole volume of work on separation of church and state, and Madison took it from there and and jefferson and so and jefferson i don't think it was a christian but but nonetheless all those things worked out and and, and it's a biblical pattern that we have or a biblical system which keeps us out of the state and the state out of our business and our and our morals guide have historically guided the powers that be which is the only way this country can operate is through a moral guide and if without that we're in trouble and we are in trouble so <laughs> so anyway not to get political um and amen. A soft answer turns away wrath, and grievous words stir up anger. And as much as light, then you live peaceably with all men. You know, the Lord is at hand. And the Lord is here, and He knows what's going on. And that helps govern things, you know. Uh, when you know that the Lord is at hand. So it helps kind of modulate your your attitude. You forget the Lord's at hand, and you can get a little crazy, and then you then we end up becoming part of the problem instead of part of the solution. So you, there's a balance to that. A good book on that is called the Book of Acts. <laughs> so just watch what they do in Acts, and that's a pretty good guide. All right, I'm going to turn this off, and we'll go to praying.